Amen. Can we thank our worship team for leading us in worship this morning? That was beautiful. Thanks, guys. Hey, well, hey, uh, welcome to uh, Ignite City Church. Uh, my name's uh, James Brom, and uh, if you don't know me, uh, I'm the lead of operations here. I do kind of stuff on the back end, kind of the business side of stuff, but every once in a while, uh, they give me a microphone, and uh, this is one of those opportunities, so uh, excited to open the word with you, um, so let's pray, and uh, we'll hop into it. Lord Jesus, uh, need you this morning, God, uh, feeling uh, a little anxious, and, uh, and, and God, I just, uh, I pray that you would just encourage our hearts this morning. I pray that we would just meet you and uh, be encouraged by you and experience you this morning. Uh, I pray that uh, we would kind of walk out of here different, um, that you would meet us and do something specific in our hearts uh, to encourage us for this week. So God, we pray that you'd have your way, uh, that you speak to us, and that we thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, guys, it's super exciting. Uh, it's like, what, 60 degrees, so California cold. Rocking the flannel, we got boots and scarves, it's, it's amazing. This is my wife's like favorite time in history, because uh, it's like pumpkin spice latte season, all that good stuff, so uh, it's exciting. So, uh, so hey, uh, speaking this morning, uh, Brian told me I can talk about anything that I wanted because we're in between sermon series, and uh, that's always really daunting, because uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, the Bible is huge, right? And then, so it's like, I was like, what am I going to talk about? So I was kind of wrestling with the Lord about what I felt like he was, uh, had for us this morning. Uh, I was kind of going through, you know, what I'd been reading in my times with Jesus, and I was going through kind of uh, our Bible reading plan, what we kind of been looking at, and kind of where I felt like the Lord was leading us, where we landed. Uh, I kept coming back to this passage in 1 Thessalonians, and uh, if you've been in the Bible reading plan, we were reading through that this week. Uh, but I was landing on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, chapter 5, um, and that passage in particular, uh, this is stuff we never talk about here, because <laughs> uh, it's about uh, the rapture of the church, uh, it's about the second coming of Jesus, and there's so much uh, theology and there's so much debate around when things happen uh, that, uh, you know, that we end up not diving into all of that specifics, because everybody has an idea of if they're pre-trib or they're mid-trib or they're post-trib and when is all this stuff going to happen. Uh, the reality is we don't know, um, but I feel like in these passages, there's some really cool stuff that God makes really clear, and it says at the end of each kind of section we're looking at, it says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so the passages we're going to look at today, uh, my hope and my prayer was just that we would walk out super encouraged, that we'd just be super encouraged about what we're reading um, and for me, like where I've been at is, uh, I, over the last few weeks, uh, I ended up having to travel for work. I ended up getting COVID, and so I was like quarantined, and, uh, and I, you know, just, I don't know. So like, it's just, life was kind of discouraging in that moment, you know. I think looking around in the, in the news, you know, and there's gas prices and inflation, and there's all kinds of craziness going on in the world. Uh, it's a great time of year because there's political commercials because it's voting season again, <laughs> whatever, you know. Um, I don't know. So there's just like so much stuff going on that I feel like it's just real easy to get caught up what's happening in this world. And I, and I feel like I was just reminded, and what I was supposed to remind us is that this place that we live, you know, on planet Earth, wherever we're at, we're in our little slice of California, um, this place is not our home. This isn't home. 
And I think sometimes when we see what's going on in the world or we watch the news or there's just stuff going on or just stuff going on in life or stuff we're experiencing or pain or trials, it, uh, it's really easy to make, it, like it, it's, it's big to us. And, but I was just kind of reminded that like, this isn't home. You know, we're just passing through in this place. You know, we're just, the Bible uses the word sojourners, which we're just travelers passing through this place on our way to our eternal, eternal destiny, which is heaven. Um, and so my hope is that we can kind of get a glimpse of that eternal perspective this morning. So that's kind of what we're looking at. So uh, if you have your Bibles, if you want to open to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, or if you have your phones or whatever you're checking it out on. But First, uh, first Thessalonians chapter 4, we're starting at verse 13. Um, but before we get there, the section before this, Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica. And uh, when Paul visited Thessalonica, he was only there about three weeks which is a pretty short time for Paul because uh, we see like he spent like three years in Ephesus. He spent a ton of time in Rome, but it was only a couple of weeks he spent in Thessalonica. And so this letter is really kind of touching on these things that he's like, man, I couldn't get to all this stuff. I didn't have enough time. Um, and the passage before this really talks about his, like, he talks about how we live a life pleasing to God. And so when we gave our life to Jesus, it's like, you know, before that, we kind of lived for ourselves. And now it's like, how do we live a life pleasing to God? And then this next section we're looking at is all kind of about death. Uh, so be encouraged. <laughs> uh, it's all about kind of death. It's all about what happens next and what's God's unfolding of his master plan. Um, so starting in verse 13, I'm going to read the whole passage because there's a lot of craziness in there, and then we'll kind of back into it. So uh, it says this starting in verse 13, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Amen? So if you just read that, you know, like sometimes people say, man, like Christians are weird and Christians believe some weird stuff. This is one of those really weird things, right? And it's one of those things where we just take it in faith and we just go, well, that's what God said is going to happen. So we're, that word's going to go with that, right? Um, but as we read it, there's some terms that Paul uses that I kind of wanted to break, break down. So he talks about, uh, he uses the word that those who are asleep. Um, and so it is not communicating. Sometimes we get this feeling, and especially from ancient folklore, there's kind of this idea that when like people die, they're in this kind of like slumber and they're waiting for this kind of like resurrection or whatever. Um, that's not what he's communicating, but it, kind of when you read the passage, what I picture is kind of like, you guys remember the thriller music video? You guys remember that? Like where it's like all the zombies that are like rising from the dead and they're like, you know, do the whole thing. Michael Jackson's a zombie, right? Um, that's kind of the picture I get when I read it, but it's like, that's not what he's communicating. What he's communicating when he's talking about this resurrection is that those who have died and gone to heaven, you know, their soul and their spirit uh, with God in heaven, that there's a resurrection that they experience and they get to be a part of this cool procession of this coming of the Lord. And then those who are on earth, we like float up in the clouds and meet him in the air. I don't know. I don't know, guys. That's, 
But that's what it says, right? So uh, let's break it down a little bit. So it says this in verse uh, 13. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep, right? Those, who, those brothers and sisters in Christ who have died and gone to heaven. But he says that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. And I kind of wanted to camp out on that for a moment. Because um, the reality is that if we're followers of Jesus, uh, that when somebody passes away, that we do grieve, right? And he's, saying, he's not saying we shouldn't grieve. He's saying it's okay to grieve. Uh, but the reality is that if we're a follower of Jesus, we grieve differently, right? There's a different kind of grief that we experience, especially if we know that the person that passed away also is a follower of Jesus, right? Because there's this feeling of the sadness that we have lost this person, but there's also this idea that it's like, I know they finally have gone home. I know they're finally at home with the Lord. I know they're finally in his presence and there's almost this idea where if you could go and ask that person, hey, do you want to come back? They're like, no, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and, and there's this kind of feeling that we get to where it's like, man, if, if they're a follower of Jesus and you're a follower of Jesus, you're like, man, I'm kind of jealous. Like, they get to be with him, and I'm still kind of stuck here. Like, I want to be home, you know? Um, but in that process, there is this kind of grief that happens. Um, but he says the reason that our grief is differently, different than the world is because the world has no hope, right? If, if this life is it and then there's nothing else, then death is a big deal, right? Because it's, it's over, right? Um, it's almost like the picture that I have between like the way the world looks at death versus I think a Christian looks at death. It's kind of like, it's like somebody who only has $10, right? And they gotta buy something that's $10. It's like, that's all I have, right? But if you're a billionaire, you don't even worry about spending $10, right? It's no big deal, right? And that's, and that's that eternity mindset of like, of like, yeah, what happens in this life, oh, it's, like, it's big, but it's like, but there's eternity, right? And there's such a different perspective when we know that it's not just this life, but it's, but it's forever onto eternity. And the reason is us Christians have hope, what is our hope, right? Our hope is the gospel. And we talk about the gospel a lot, right? But our hope is the gospel. It's that we were dead in sin. It's that Jesus came to die in our place. It's that our sin was put upon him. The wrath that was for us was put upon him and was, you know, he was crucified on the cross. Uh, he rose from the dead, showing that he has power over sin and death. And we have this resurrection that we experience with Jesus and that we're given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, as a promise of our eternal destiny, that we actually have this eternal destiny in heaven and that one day God will have the victory, right? Like all that is our hope. And so when we look at this life and we experience loss and hardship and grief, that we have this hope that we go, ah, but, the, but we're, but we're going to be home, but there's heaven, but there's, there's that eternal, my, my sight is on that eternal destiny because this life is just a vapor. It's here one moment and it's gone and we're going to experience hardships in this life. But Jesus says, but take heart, I've overcome all of this, right? And then it says in uh, verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For the, this we declare to you by word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Um, and then he says this in verse 16. Uh, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. I don't know, you think about that picture, like what that moment uh, will be like, you know? 
Uh, I don't know, and obviously we don't know if we're going to be in heaven already or if we're going to be here. Maybe uh, the Bible talks about the coming of Jesus as being imminent, meaning it can happen at any moment. And you think about what that moment would be like. Um, and we see elsewhere in Revelations and Daniel when it talks about the coming of the Lord, it's, there's this idea that everyone in the entire world experiences this. That somehow everyone in the entire world sees Jesus descending from heaven and will hear this voice resonating throughout the whole world and the sound of this trumpet of God. Uh, what a moment that would be. And uh, what I think of when I, when I think of like the trumpet of God, um, I used to play in this uh, worship band with one of my buddies and uh, he, he worshiped uh, at a Pentecostal church. And the father-in-law was the pastor and he always sat like in the front row on the right and he was a trumpet player. And so we'd be like playing worship and stuff, be in the middle of worship. And then whenever it was like a moment, you know, that like he was like experiencing the Lord ever, he would whip out this trumpet and it would be so loud, it would be louder than all the music coming out of the speakers. And it was just this resounding like trumpet. And it's like, who has a trumpet? You know what I mean? Like, um, but like that's kind of like what a trumpet does. Like it just kind of resounds over everything. And like that's the picture I have is like when that comes, this resounding uh, trumpet, right? And it says, the dead in Christ will rise first, that somehow those who have gone to heaven receive some sort of resurrected body or something, um, and they'll be a part of this procession, you know? So, and he kind of says, like, that's the reason that we, we grieve differently and that we have hope is, like, that those who have died and gone before us, like, they're going to be a part of this, you know, uh, which is super cool. And then he says, and then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air be crazy. And then he says this, and this was the part that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And he says, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Come on. <laughs> I was like, I got an echo over here. What's going on? <laughs> but he says, uh, and so we will always be with the Lord. And I don't, I don't know, like maybe it was just because I was in quarantine and I was just like alone for a while or something like that. But like, I don't know, that just phrase just really just blessed my heart. And I, and I was thinking about like, you know, I've been, I've been walking with the Lord, um, I think like 20 years now. Um, and I was thinking about like when you give your life to Jesus, the Bible says that, that we receive the Holy Spirit, right? So those of you that have given your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives in you, which is crazy, right? But the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives, you, lives in you. And it says this in uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Um, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory, right? And so when you give your life to Jesus, at that moment, the Spirit of God comes in you, and then for the rest of eternity, you are never without him. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like thinking about that, and I was just like, that's so, that's such a sweet thing about God, right? That it's like he's been chasing us all of our lives, and finally when he gets us, right, that he's like, I will, I'm never going to be without you again, right? And then even that moment when we pass away and go to heaven or, or there's a rapture that happens, you know, whatever our situation is going to be, right, 
but that from, from that moment on, right, we're always gonna be with the Lord. And that was just something that was just so encouraging to me. And in thinking about heaven and thinking about heaven as our home, I was thinking about, I've had these moments maybe a handful of times, um, but as you've been walking with the Lord, like you know where you have those moments where maybe, maybe you're in the word or maybe you're praying or you're praying as a group or you're in worship, but it's like, there's like you're experiencing God in like a different crazy way, like where it's like you feel like you're really getting this glimpse and this experience of just for a moment of his glory or heaven, or like you feel his presence in such a way that you're like, God, I don't, I don't wanna leave this place, right? You're, you're just on your face and you're like, I don't wanna do anything, I don't wanna move, like I don't wanna mess it up, where, you're just, where you just feel the power of God on you so powerfully, or you feel like God is speaking to you in such a powerful way that you're just like, I just wanna stay here forever. You guys ever had that moment? And for me, it's maybe been a handful of times where it's like, God, I, like, I don't want to do anything. I just want to stay here. I just want to hear you speak to me, or I just want to experience you in this place, you know? And then it's gone, right? Because we're here. And I just had this, like, beautiful realization that, like, when we're in heaven, that's what it's always going to be like. Like that feeling of I'm experiencing God in such a powerful way and that like I don't ever want to leave this place. Like I just want to experience him. Like that moment that you and I have every once in a great while is going to be the norm in heaven. Amen? And so Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 1 verse 21. And talking about life, he says this. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What a psychopath, right? <laughs> but he says, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he goes on in the passage to talk about how, you know, hey, I just I want to leave here. I want to die and I want to be with Jesus. But he goes, but I know there's the work that, that God has for me to do. So, like, I, mean, I know I'm going to be here a little longer because there's stuff that God has for me to do, but he's like, but I just want to get out of here, right? I just want to go, and I want to be with him. And Paul has this realization that I feel like all of us really need to like have, which is this place is not our home. This place is not our home. And like, I think we try so hard to make it home, <laughs> you know? Like, we, we, you know, we, we want this to be a great place for our kids, and we want it to be a great place for our kids' kids, right? And we want to vote in the perfect world, and, and we want to have the perfect house, and we want to have every, we want to have all the stuff, we want to do all the things, we want to be comfortable, we want to make, we try so hard to make this place home, and then we get this, like, dissatisfaction when things don't go our way, and the reality is, like, this place is never meant to be our home. Like, it's never meant to be our home. And, like, Paul gets it, right? That he's like, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because the gain is, man, then I'll really be home. And it made me think about, like, uh, how many of you are homeowners? Homeowners, right? So, like, whenever something goes wrong, like, what do you have to do? You got to fix it, right? Like, the AC goes out, right? The fridge goes out. The dryer breaks, Right? And like, why do you have to do all that? Why do you have to care so intently about that? It's because you own it, right? But think about like a renter or if you're somebody that's like you're sleeping on somebody's couch like on the way to like vacation or something, right? 
you could give a rip if the AC goes out, right? Because you're like, I'm gonna be here like two days and then I'm out of here, right? Or like, the, you know, something breaks in the place that you rent, right? You're like, I'm just gonna call the, the landlord and he's gonna fix it, right? We don't have any of those cares about home ownership because we don't own it because we know this isn't my home, right? And it's that same perspective that we should have eternally, which is what's happening in this world. It feels big and it feels important, but it's really not because this isn't our home. And I just wonder, man, like what if, what if we lived with that eternal perspective? What if I lived with that eternal perspective of like when stuff happens, when, you know, Stuff doesn't go my way or there's dissatisfaction or whatever. Like, if I could just go like, oh, you know, but it's okay. It's not, I don't, you know, it's not my home. You know, I'm just passing through, you know. What would that kind of response, what would that change in us if we had that understanding uh, deep in our core of thinking that this place is not home, right? And he says, uh, starting in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. So he says, now concerning the times, like, you know, people are like, hey, when is this going to happen? When's the day of the Lord, right? Uh, we know even in the Gospels that Jesus is asked about this, and Jesus says, I don't even know. He says, only the Father knows, right? So uh, if we were to ask him, he's like, I couldn't tell you, right? He, he doesn't know, right? But he says, concerning the times and the seasons, we don't know, right? There's not, we're not going to know. It's gonna, he's going to show up when he shows up, and it says he's going to come like a thief in the night. Elsewhere in Scripture, it describes the coming of the Lord as imminent, which means at any moment that it could happen, right? And so because that's the case for us, what that means is we got to be ready, we got to be ready and expectant for his coming because it could be today, right? It could be tomorrow, right? And we have to live in this expectation that one day he's coming back and that one day could be today, right? And uh, so it says this um, when it's talking about people that are living in the world, right? It says that they're going to have, they're going to say there's peace and security I kind of read that, and I was like, well, maybe it's not today, right? Because, like, there's not a lot of people saying that, right? <laughs> people are like, ah, inflation and all that stuff. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, but he says, but then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains, that we're not going to have the ability to know and to plan ahead of time, that we have to be ready. In 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 5, verse 4, says, um, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And so he says, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not going to be surprised, right? We're not going to be surprised. And the reason is because the expectation is if we're a follower of Jesus, we're ready and expectant for his return, right? We're ready and expectant to meet him either because we've died and gone to heaven or he has come back, right? There's this expectation that we're ready. Um, and uh, I was watching, last week I was watching, I'm, I'm a big football fan, so uh, I watch a lot of football. Uh, and I was, uh, I was watching a game 
And uh, it was the starting quarterback who's kind of like the star of the team, right? Starting quarterback got injured like in the second quarter and the backup had to come in, right? Which uh, to most football fans is like the worst thing that can happen, right? Because you know, you're like, the game's over, right? We're never going to win this thing. Um, so the backup quarterback comes in and, uh, and he actually like plays really good and they actually win the game. And they were interviewing the backup quarterback after and they asked him like, how, 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 could, you, how could you do that? Like, how could you be ready to like, to go in, like, you know, how could you win this game? Like, you didn't even know you were going to go in this game. And what he said was, if you're always ready, you don't have to get ready. Right? If you're always ready, you don't have to get ready. And so he said, I plan every game. Like, I'm going to go in. Like, I'm going to start every game because at a moment's notice, I need to be ready. And I, was just, and I just thought that was just so in line with this uh, passage, right, that it's like that's how we have to live, right? We live with this expectation that at any moment, obviously, we can be out of here, right, and we could be in heaven, or at any moment, he can return and rapture the church and start this whole crazy process we see in Revelations. At any moment, that can happen, and so we just be ready, right? We're not going to have time to get ready, so we got to be ready, right? And so readiness, Paul says, looks like this uh, on, in verse 8. He says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And so the, the kind of picture that he gives us what readiness looks like, he kind of talks about, it kind of has a military feel to it, right? That the, we, There's this armor that we put on. Uh, there's also this passage, I think, Ephesians 6, where it talks about the full armor of God that we put on. But he talks about us putting on this armor, this breastplate of faith and love and this helmet that's the hope of salvation, that those are the things that we put on and uh, daily that we kind of stand, you know, we stand at our post and we're protecting this fortress kind of thing. But what we put on was we put on this faith in Jesus, this love for him and this love for his people and the hope that we have in salvation. And those things are, are, are like are what we put on to prepare for battle, right? Like those are the things that we wear every day. And that's what being prepared, Paul says, looks like, right? Is we're bearing that stuff and we're ready for him to return, right? We're ready for the Lord to come back. Um, it's being full of faith, full of love, and holding on to that hope of salvation, right? That hope of our eternal destiny, that, that hope that we have because we have the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit is kind of our ticket, if you will, into heaven, right? You know, that it's like at that moment, whatever that looks like, right? But at that moment, it's like, oh, I can get in. I got the Holy Spirit, right? That's what the Holy Spirit is, a guarantee of our entrance into our eternal destiny, right? And I love that it says that the hope of salvation is a helmet because I think, I think so often whenever we just like start thinking about stuff, we, that's, that's where like doubt happens, right? It's like, it's in our thinking, you know, that we're like, ah, oh, could this really be? Or like, could that really be true? Or could that, you know? And he says that we actually need to protect our mind, continually reminding ourselves of the hope that we have in Jesus. Reminding ourselves of the promise that we have through the Holy Spirit and that Jesus says he's going to prepare a place for us and we trust him because he's been faithful through everything so far, right? And then he says this in verse 9. He said, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. 
I love that verse. Because he says, for God has not destined us for wrath. And like, I think sometimes we, th- like, we think, man, if, I know that you know, I gave my life to Jesus, but if God knew about this, or like, if, if, man, if I mess up in this way, then God's going to turn on me, or there's going to be wrath for me, or, any, or something like that. And like, let me just encourage you, like, if you've given your life to Jesus, and this is what he's saying here in verse 9, that God has not destined you for wrath, right? And we know that because the wrath of God for your sin and my sin was poured out on Jesus. All of it, right? And from the cross, Jesus says, it is finished, right? So like there's no thing that you do past, present, future that Jesus did not receive the wrath for, right? It's paid in full. It's finished, right? And so he says, we don't got to worry about wrath because if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, you're not destined for wrath, right? And it's probably another sermon, but if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, the unfortunate truth is that you are, right? And it's only through the blood of Jesus um, that his righteousness covers us and saves us from the wrath of God. But he says, but our destiny is not destined for wrath, but rather to obtain salvation through Jesus, right? That Jesus has promised this salvation. He did all this work for us for salvation. And it says that him who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. And what I love about that is um, Christians really like to debate about stuff, right? They like to debate, like I said on the top, they like to debate about when the rapture is going to happen, is it pre-trib, is it mid-trib, is it post-trib? Are we going to be here? Are we not going to be here, right? And I love just Paul's summation of this whole thing. He just says, hey, whether we're here or we're not, like, we're all going to live with him, right? Like, that's all he really says about it, right? Like, there's no debating about it or anything like that. It's just like, the point is, we're going to be with him, right? And all that other stuff, he's like, we're not talking about it. We're not debating about it. We're going to be with him, and that's uh, the main point that he has, which I think is just uh, so cool. And so he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. And uh, so I want to encourage you guys. I want to encourage you guys that if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, you've been given the Holy Spirit to live in you, that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you, um, that he is faithful to uphold his promises, that one day he will return and take us home, um, or one day before that maybe we'll, we'll die and be home with him. Uh, but he's faithful to take us home, and he's given us the promise of the Holy Spirit that that will be our eternal destiny. And so I just want to encourage you guys um, of that truth, you know, because I think it's really easy to get caught up in this life and caught up in this place. And um, it's really easy to try to make this place feel like home, but it's, it's not home, right? Um, so I want to have the worship team um, come back up. And, uh, you know, kind of what I wanted to read over in closing was Paul kind of gives these great uh, kind of uh, verses that kind of describe what does being ready look like? You know, what does it look like to be ready because obviously the passage tells us, hey, Jesus can be coming back at any moment, so we got to be ready. Um, and then he kind of goes through what readiness looks like. And so I just kind of want to read that over us, kind of remind us of you know, what our goal is, what we're going after. Um, he says this in verse 12. 
He says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. As we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. And then he says this in uh, chapter 4, verse 1, which I just love. Um, he says, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord that as you received from us how, you to, how to walk and how to please God, just as you were doing, that you do so more and more. Right? So he says, this is, this is what it looks like. This is what readiness looks like, that, that we live out our faith, that, that we abide in Jesus, that we're patient with everyone, that we encourage the faint-hearted and help the weak, that we seek good and not evil. And then he says, as we're doing that, just keep doing it. Just more and more, keep doing it, keep leaning into him, keep abiding in, in him. And we do that as we're waiting for him to, uh, to return, as we're waiting upon the Lord. And I think a lot of times with that phrase, waiting upon the Lord, we kind of get this picture, at least I get this picture of kind of like sitting on a couch and you're like, all right, we're waiting, you know? <laughs> but I don't think that's the picture. I heard, I heard a speaker describe it this way. Um, he said that waiting upon the Lord, the, the picture that he got was uh, a, a waiter at a restaurant, right? That it's like that, that we're coming and we're serving, that we're waiting upon the Lord. We're asking, Lord, what do you want? And then we're going about his work to do it. We're serving him actively serving him as we're waiting upon the Lord, and that as we're doing that, we're just doing that more and more um, as we're awaiting his return, right? As we're waiting for him to draw us home. Um, and I just kind of wanted to close us with that thought that I kind of went through in the middle, because um, it was just so impactful for me to think that he says, and so we will always be with the Lord. And I just kind of want to leave you guys with that thought, you know, that that as we're going through life this week, as we're going through hardships, as we're going through trials and tribulations, as we're going through the stuff of life, just to remember that we have the Holy Spirit in us and God says we're never gonna be without him for the rest of eternity. And he says, and so we are gonna always be with him. And so maybe you experience something this week and you get kind of caught up in it and maybe you can remind yourself, you know what, this isn't home. Home is with him, and one day we're going to always be with him, you know? And I think if we can keep that eternal perspective, I think, I think we're going to be able to see God in a different way, you know? And we're going to be able to see life as it truly is, which is just a passing through, just as a sojourner, um, as we await that one day that we will always be with him. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the marvelous, victorious work that you're gonna do that one day, maybe today, that you're gonna return, you're gonna rapture us, or one day uh, that when we leave this life and we're in your presence, we thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit and we thank you that um, of all this crazy plan that you've put in place for us that we are just so unworthy of, uh, God, you know, um, 
We didn't deserve you to come and die for us. We didn't deserve to receive the Holy Spirit to live in us. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve you preparing a place. We don't deserve this whole piece of being a part of your victorious plan. We don't deserve to be a part of any of it. Um, but God, we thank you uh, for your marvelous love for us and your victorious power. And God, we just look forward to the day that as we experience these moments from time to time on earth where we just get a glimpse of your glory, a glimpse of what heaven might be like, God, we thank you that one day it will always, always be like that. God, we look forward to the day that we get to be in your presence forever. And until then, God, we want to be ready. Would you help us be ready? Would you help us be about your work waiting upon you, Lord, until that day. Would you have your way in us this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.